Welcome to another semi-annual episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Oh my, we've kind of fallen off our game a little bit. Which could be, as we will find out later in today's show, a warning sign of relapse, but we'll get to that later. But we're coming to you semi-live today from high above the Mellow Mushroom in steamy summertime, Franklin, Tennessee. Yeah, bring more humidity, please. Oh, man. <laughs> we were Seattle there for about a month. It yeah. was overcast yeah. and raining and cool. And Beautiful. Just wonderful. All of a sudden. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was uh, pedal bus weather there for a while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's blazing now, man. Oh, man. It's but it's it's it's, uh, it's going good. It's, yeah, it's, it's it's hot as all get out out there right now. But, uh, but the nighttime cools off. Yeah, but the customers now. Uh, for those of you who are uh, those of you who are regular listeners to the podcast, know uh, undoubtedly that Mondo Grimes, our fearless, peerless engineer, multi-talented Mondo, has picked up yet another sidelight, side <laughs> sidelight, go, gone into another business uh, where he's. Be- experiencing dizzying success yeah. yeah yeah it's cool man we uh so it's called the sprocket rocket yeah uh, it's we have two bikes basically what they are it's a big machine that fits 16 people uh there's a driver uh-huh. and uh there's there's every everyone sits on the side of each of the vehicle and they right. pedal uh, it's hard to explain. You just have to go to sprockettours.com and look at the it's, pictures. It's the world's yeah. least efficient recumbent bicycle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah it, it's, a, but it, it's a party bike. So yeah. essentially people get on there. It's BYOB to come party and have a good time. So Are there yeah. tassels on the handlebars? No, there aren't. Actually, Banana seats. Actually, our, 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 second, our second bike uh, <laughs> came with, with uh, seat belts, right? Huh. And uh, Really? I, I took them off. Uh-huh. Because my idea is Rebel. if you're going to fall off, just fall off. <laughs> like, I, I don't want to drag you down the street. <laughs> you're kind of dangling by the waist. We, we you know? at least know that you should stop drinking. Yeah, just like don't. just if you're gonna fall, just fall off, and we can roll away. And we'll come back and pick you up. Versus, I, you just the idea of somebody dangling from the waist on the side of the bike just doesn't. It's like good. tethering somebody to the ski rope. So yeah, exactly, man. Exactly, but it's it's cool, man. It's been hot as all get out. Uh, we made it barely through CMA week. Uh, it was horrendous down there during all the country music awards. Yeah, yeah. I tried to take some company downtown. Yeah. Lower Broad was blocked off to traffic. Yep. It was all pedestrians. There were tents everywhere. And yep. I finally just said, trust me, uh, that's the tourist area over there, and we're going to go over here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. It, it was nuts, man. The town was Full. It was crazy. It was yeah. so, is that when I saw you down there doing that? No, that was right before that. Brooke and I were going to the symphony mm-hmm. to watch. I forget what at this point. And lo and behold, there's Mondo piloting a sprocket rocket across <laughs> the street. Yeah. <clears throat> it was awesome. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. So it's a, it's a trip, man. It's just it's so hot right now. But, yeah. But people don't care. They're out there ready to ready to pedal and sweat, man. So now that they book the they book the bike for what an hour? It's two hours for two hours. Okay, it's two hours. It's uh, thirty five dollars a seat. Uh, wow, for two hours. Or it, if you have a private tour for sixteen people, it's four forty. Okay. So uh, we get tons of birthday parties, bachelorette parties, bachelor parties, company outings, right? Team building events, uh-huh. um, and sometimes just uh, uh, mixed groups. Yeah. So we have public tours where it'd be like a group of three, group of six, group of nine, you know, yeah, whatever. And uh, it, a lot of a lot of people from the Midwest. It's, it's weird. We get a lot of Chicago, Missouri, hmm. really? Ohio, Michigan. Yeah. A lot of Philly too. We get a lot of we get a lot of Philly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe it's just cheap to come here. I don't know huh. what it is, but yeah. Um, well, I mean, I mean, it's it's pretty nuts. It's just, it's just thirty five bucks for two hours. Yeah. Note to current Crag customers: we're raising our prices. if you could figure out the mobile climbing wall, right? Like you pedal it, like you like pedal people up a climbing wall. <laughs> yeah, man. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's nuts, man. But there's so many. Um, there's a lot of other people who are now trying to buy bikes and yeah. start their own business, but they don't know what they're getting into. Uh-huh. Um, you know, just buying a bike is not. No, 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 no. There's a lot of infrastructure. There's a science to keeping it. Booked yeah, and yeah. There's a, there's, there's a science to the booking. There's a science to to logistics. Yeah. 
of you know storage, the maintenance. You have to have all the components. Like, yeah. who who's gonna fix this thing? Well, guess what? Mondo found somebody. <laughs> okay, all right. But but you know, there's those types of deals. Right. Sure, there's, sure. There's having all the resources around the country to overnight parts or different things. Yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of t- it's it's, huh. it's a full time job. It's not something you can do. Just say, hey, I'm gonna do it on the weekends. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's definitely a full time gig, but. Well, it's a shame the bikes are both up in Nashville. If there was done one down here in Franklin, I kind of smell a meeting after the meeting. Well, well, check yeah. this out. Yeah, yeah. So, so I had I had the idea a few months ago. I said, mm-hmm. you know, it'd be cool to have one in Franklin, but we would need to go to the city of Franklin and make them feel like they're a part of it. Right. So we would have a different design that would be based, you know, more historic looking. Right. Right. Uh, call it maybe the Big Ben or something right. like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. around Benjamin Franklin for those who don't know. That's right. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, wait. <laughs> so, wait. Wait. History lesson for Newton. Is Franklin, Tennessee named after Benjamin Franklin? It absolutely, it absolutely is. is, yes. Oh! Yep, yep. The things you learn on the pirate <laughs> yeah. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, or so, you know, we had the idea, you know, uh-huh. and well, it's, it's fairly flat here, so yeah. it would be pretty cool, you know. Yeah. And I think I think people eat it up. I mean, you call it maybe some sort of pub or something. Yeah. People love the yeah. pub here, so. Yeah. I don't know, man. It is, an, it is a thought. It is a thought. All oh. right. Well, we have turned the podcast into an entrepreneurship right. lesson. But yeah. I love yeah. this stuff. Yeah, I man. absolutely love this yeah. stuff. Yeah, man. So what, do you, what have you been doing? You've been traveling a lot. Yeah, I've been traveling a lot. Just had a great weekend last weekend in Springfield, Missouri. Nice. Uh, Kai Wilhelmsen went with me. Allie d- elected to stay home. So the two of us, there's no easy way to get from Nashville to Springfield, Missouri. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you can fly, but by the time you make your airport connections and then drive down from Kansas City, it's almost as fast uh, to drive, which means it's not fast at all. So it's at least eight hours to get there. Wow. Uh, so the, but we had a great time at a at a, a church, a church plant in the funky part of uh, Springfield. Reminds me a lot of East Nashville. Hmm. Uh, so a lot of hipsters. Very young church called Hope and Anchor. Hmm. Most everybody's in their twenty or twenties and thirties. And we just had a terrific time. And the neat thing about this, we did a whole weekend. Uh, we drove out there on Friday. I spoke Friday night. We did six hours on Saturday. And then I spoke with the church on Sunday morning. What was different here is that uh, we opened it to women. Oh, cool. So we had a few wives who came. We also had some women and men active in the fight against uh, 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 sex slavery and human sex trafficking. And their insights and questions uh, really helped to deepen the conversation and broaden the conversation. It was a very thought-provoking and enriching weekend for me. Hmm. In fact, I want to share some of that with you guys a little later, later in the trip. So I think the bottom line is everybody has been busy, and that is why it's yeah. been difficult for us to get together and yeah. do this recorded conversation. Yeah. Aaron is in meetings now, so we don't have uh, Mr. Porter joining us from California. What's What's been new with you there, Newton? Man, um, well, <laughs> today's been a... a a self-imposed catastrophe of scheduling. Mm-hmm. If you ever need someone to manage your travel plans, <clears throat> do not call Nate. Yeah, that's right. If exactly. you ever need someone to manage your calendar, do not call me. <laughs> um, so, uh, no, it's just been uh, I mean, lots of activity starting to ramp up training. Um, I mean, business stuff is just busy and, you know, lots of minutiae and mm-hmm. things that nobody really probably cares about except for me. Um, but starting to ramp up training for um, another September trail race in Virginia. Okay. And uh, my energy output has not matched my. Uh, <laughs> I'm out of whack. I'm, I'm dragging my car- carcass through the week right yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So training for that. Uh, my wife and I head to South Carolina to Myrtle Beach next week for a, a much needed. Uh, vacation. Oh, that's good. Um, good excited, excited about that. And um, yeah, had a. Uh, I keep. I, there's so much stuff going on on weekends and everything else that I, f- I just forget that I do things. So yeah. there was a new Adam weekend uh, a week and a half ago that sure. I staffed that was fantastic and awesome. And that's such a a cool thing to to be able to to bring guys into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, just just lots of good stuff. Um, 
just working on business development things and um yeah writing right. songs doing doing all kinds of stuff writing I, songs too oh of course yeah, yeah we're in Nashville. have i told you guys yeah <laughs> wait i don't know i may not have told you guys that i so some of you guys that are listening may know may not know that i used to try to make money playing music and no, that, was yeah. never very good at it i mean i was okay at music i was bad at making money at it um but so i just quit you know and then in january uh, a buddy of mine that i used to play music with mm-hmm. Uh, started this songwriting game where we have to write a song a week to stay in the game. Okay. And so I went from, you know, I don't play my guitar anymore. I'm done with it. I I quit. I'll play at our Easter family reunion with the Mm -hmm. kids or whatever. Uh, I went from that, not writing a song for like seven years, to having to put a new song out every week. Wow. Write and record one song every week. Wow. And for the year, we're what, probably... 20 20 something weeks weeks and I've written like 19 or 20 songs this year that's fantastic yeah Yeah, they're not all awesome a bunch of them are not awesome right Um, but there's some that I like there's some that I think are cool but just that man for me as a creative person having something creative that is not involving revenue or right uh, takes the stress uh, off man yeah it it helps other creative outlets for me yeah Mm -hmm. that's cool so I can do better creative work at work because I get to do fun, creative work at home. Yeah. You know, and it's a, a neat lesson for me. I was actually talking to uh, a, a friend yesterday who's also a musician, and we were talking about, um, like, like when he's on stage or performing, like, is how much is he kind of getting out of the way and letting music happen versus really trying to force music? And, mm-hmm. and like, how engaged is his brain yeah. in the process? How much does he carry what's going on in his life into being on stage you know if he's having a crappy day is it going to be a crappy show that kind of thing right right uh and we both started talking about that this balance i think just in general in life it's a good thing but this balance is a a creative person between effort and flow Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. the effort of producing something and the flow of just getting out of the way and not saying no to something right um and as we both he's also in in recovery and as we both were talking about yeah it just seems like a good life, yeah, yeah. life thing, uh, you know. That balance between trying and just kind of letting things be and getting out of the way and not yeah. forcing. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, that's that's kind of where things are. That's wonderful, and yeah. you know, that, I, my experience resonates with what you're saying. When I will get involved, when I when I will stay involved in being creative. Yeah. Uh, and not worry about whether it's marketable or not, mm-hmm. or even whether it's it uh, conforms to all uh, the rules imposed by the gods of style. Right. I, I, even whether it's orthodox or not, if it's honest. Yeah. If, if, I, if I'm even talking about faith, I think I think God honors uh, and values uh, truth telling. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if I'll do that on a regular basis. It's such a help to my recovery. Yeah. And I neglect it to my peril. And, uh, and, and I do have a tendency to get wrapped up in the tyranny of paying the bills, right. mm-hmm. taking care of other people. Mm-hmm. I'll neglect that part of self-care and eventually it'll catch up with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know what? When we come back, let's talk about the warning signs uh, of relapse because... Uh, Cool. What, what you've uh, that issue you've just raised actually touches on what I'm sure for anybody in recovery is uh, an important topic. So we'll be right back on the Pirate Monk Okay, we're back on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Uh, unless you are one of those very, very few favored people who've been struck by uh, the lightning bolt of God's grace that removed permanently from you any <laughs> desire ever to go back to your mood-altering, mind-altering, destructive activity. Well, I'm not, on, I'm not on that list because I didn't know that that lightning bolt existed. <laughs> <laughs> 
Occasionally, I meet people who uh, uh, report having been struck by that lightning bolt, and I'm not going to call them liars. <laughs> I do know uh, that I haven't been struck by it. Yeah. That God's allowed me to keep my weakness, my vulnerability. I see it as a blessing. Um, so a relapse is always uh, within the realm of possibility. It's yeah. somewhere around the corner. It might be right around the corner, it might be a block away, but it's always there. Uh, I found this great piece uh, a week or so ago about uh, the warning signs of relapse. Hmm. Uh, let me just read to you some pieces from this. Uh, to see the warning signs of relapse, you've got to be honest with yourself uh, and honest about how you're feeling. Relapse usually begins with unmanaged stress. <laughs> Everybody experiences stress, and it can either be dealt with or left to fester, grow, and eventually lead to relapse. That's why it's so important to recognize stress and learn how to cope with it. There are also other events and emotions in life that tend to lead to relapse if they're not handled properly. In order to keep yourself healthy, and happy in recovery, you should be on the lookout for the following warning signs of relapse. Uh, and here's a bunch of them. Here's one. <coughs> Avoiding dealing with problems. When yeah. I get into it, right? Uh, being excessively bored. Yeah. Here's one that, that I know is true. I never would have thought of it before getting into recovery. Changes in hygiene and health. Huh. Uh, changes in routine, such as sleeping or eating. Sure. Conflicts with others. Oh, yeah. baby. Mm -hmm. uh, criticizing yourself for not being good enough or failing to meet your own expectations. Right. Uh, dwelling on negative emotions or on the past or on unresolved issues. Uh, here's one that has bitten me. Feeling overly confident in your recovery, believing <laughs> you no longer need support or treatment. Right. Also known as delusion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, feeling overwhelmed by your life or your emotions. Hmm. Um, isolating yourself. And here's one that's entirely outside our control. Major sudden changes in life positive or negative. Uh, yeah. Obsessive thinking about using or returning to the people, places, or things that you associate with using. Hmm. Uh, and so if you notice any of these feelings or behaviors in yourself, it's time to take a closer look at what's going on. These warning signs indicate a problem that you're not dealing with, and the stress of it can build until yeah. you eventually relapse. You need to identify the problem and create a plan to handle it. Yeah. The sooner you catch the warning signs, the better. The longer you ignore them, the closer you'll get to relapse. Relapse never happens suddenly. It's always the last stage of a process, right? Right, yeah. Uh, it helps to be honest with somebody in your support system. Huh. That daily phone call to the Silas, right? Uh, family, friends, uh, a therapist, a silence, a sponsor, that person can help you stay on track in reaching your goal to resolve the issue that's putting your recovery in danger. I love, there's a question that my Silas asks me whenever we have a conversation, when I talk about whatever is stressing me, and we get to that. Yeah. And his, his question is, so what do you need? Hmm. And he doesn't want to hang up the phone until I've identified what I need and have made a commitment to, to uh, moving in the direction to get that thing. Yeah. So that I don't slip into passivity mm -hmm. and let this evolving pattern gain greater strength, greater weight, and greater momentum. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, and I, there's so much wisdom in this list, I don't know that we've got time to, to uh, unpack it all, but... Um, I know my good friend Scott Grissom makes a big deal out of something very, very simple, something that he learned during his time in treatment. 
which is the importance of making your bed as soon as you get up. We may have mentioned it here on the huh. podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, starting with being orderly. Yeah. Right from the start, right? Right. So I'm going to order my world when I get out of bed, and now at night when I come back, I'm coming back to an orderly world instead of a, ca- mm-hmm. a chaotic one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I found that th- that moves to, you know, before recovery, I was a very um, uh, chaotic, messy person in all personal affairs. Mm-hmm. My desk at work would just be a mountain of stuff. Yeah. Right? And I just told myself, I'm a, I'm a messy guy. I know where everything is. Don't try to organize it for me. Right. Um, I have found that it actually helps my recovery hmm. to order my workspace. Huh. To keep it clear and clean. Why do you think that is? Um, I, th- I think it's... Uh, uh, there is always a background <clears throat> hum of stress. Yeah. In a chaotic environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it takes emotional energy to function within a chaotic environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. So if I will take the time to yeah. order the environment, that lowers my yeah. stress. Right? I think whatever your baseline of stress is, you get used to it. Yeah. And I think maybe emotionally you don't feel like it's stress yeah, because you're used to it. Right. I mean, it's like, like you called it a hum. Mm-hmm. If I'm used to the noise of my working environment, it no mm-hmm. longer becomes noise. Like my ears get accustomed to it in some ways, but like it's still that stress and there's still something going on inside right. that you've, I guess, effectively just learned to step over. Right, yeah. But you're right. still stepping over it. Right, 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 right. You know, does that make sense? And yeah. so there's always going to be the lure in the back of my mind of uh, the medication that acting out offers, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. To deal with that stress, there's two ways to deal with the stress. I can right. medicate it, you know. I can ignore it, which is going to take energy, mm-hmm. right? Right. Or I can just deal with that source of stress. Yeah. Uh, Either way, you're putting out energy. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. I found that the same thing is true of <coughs> um, building a daily routine. In fact, I think one of my projects that I need to commit to is uh, we've talked we've talked about it some on the podcast uh, really becoming more systematic about positive sobriety yeah yeah rather than defining sobriety in negative terms right right, right. a bunch of things you do not That's a bunch right. of things you don't, don't do, do. Right. Right, right and I do know that when um, I am not rigidly over controlled obsessive about uh, what I eat but if I'm mindful about what I eat right. Mm-hmm. Right. and don't and don't slip into the habit of eating crap, right, right, right. Um, now I'm strengthening my hand against the addiction. Yeah. If I look at it's a, it's amazing to me how when I look at my slips, the domino effect. Oh yeah. Isn't it unbelievable? Right. Oh, yeah, man. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the same is true about being uh, as disciplined as I can about uh, physical exercise. Yeah. Yeah. For me, that involves a healthy routine, uh, doing it predictable times. Right. And not trying to... My old, uh, my old addictive uh, pattern is to um, neglect exercise for a long period of time and then try to make it all up in... in Two visits to the gym. Yeah. Right. right. Try to do too right. much. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But instead, you know, if I'll do steady, uh, not overtax myself, care mm-hmm. for myself, stretch myself a little, but not too much, not try to do it all at once. Yeah. Yeah. That really helps to um, protect me against relapse. Yeah. Uh, what else from that list sticks out to you guys? I mean, the hygiene thing is. That's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. It yeah. is curious. Like, changes in health, Yeah, I get that. I know that if I get a bad doctor's report or an excessively yeah. good doctor's report, you know, I want to either console myself or celebrate somehow. Right, right. And either way I'm doing that, I'm, I'm either trying to amplify the emotion that I feel or yeah. treat myself or cover up the 
guilt, shame, yeah, whatever that I feel. But the hygiene thing seems there's a there's an order part to that though. Yeah, like, you know what I mean, like right, making your bed, brushing your teeth, right? Yeah, you know there there's, yeah. there's an order to that. I mean, yeah. I, I I could I could see how that would you know I, I but I think you know if we're talking about the positive things of sobriety the list is right here yeah yeah yeah. yeah. so if we take all those that are sort of negative and say okay so if you want to not relapse you should do things like deal with your problems (laughs) stay stay engaged yeah 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 be consistent with hygiene and health yeah um try to have a routine yeah deal with conflicts with others um don't shame yourself right well it's still a negative but yeah Give yourself a break. Might there be a positive. Go. There you go. Um, yeah, I mean that that list is right. is there. That's like good what stuff. a positive recovery looks like. That is good um, stuff. And I think like for me, the changes in routine and criticizing yourself mm-hmm. that jumps out for me. My routine, <laughs> my routine is not routine. Mm-hmm. You know, it mm-hmm. it bounces around a whole lot. Yeah, and so I have to. You know, I have to not get down on myself if on a Tuesday, which is normal, Tuesdays and Thursdays and Saturdays are normally my running days. Yeah, yeah. If I can't get a run in on Tuesday morning, well, don't beat myself up. I'm not a bad person. Right. Monday might have gone long. Some, there may be something like this week. I can't run in the mornings because I have an early appointment at work all week. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so not beating myself up, but also not being married to that schedule. Right, right. And saying, okay, Tuesday got away from me. And I mean, like this Tuesday, literally, it got away from me. I was angry, I but I was engaged with my yeah. anger. And so I told my wife, I'm pissed off. I'm not pissed off at you. I just want to cook some dinner. I want to disengage a little bit so I can kind of collect my head back. Yeah. And then when that didn't fix it, because I was still engaged with my emotions, mm-hmm. I just told her, okay, I'm going upstairs. I'm getting on the elliptical. I'm doing this for me. Yeah, yeah. I yes. know that I'm going to feel better about it, even though I'm tired. Mm-hmm. If I say, okay, I want to sit on the couch and eat a bag of chips yeah, and drink a bunch of whiskey and just relax that way. If I get on the elliptical and I watch some soccer for an hour, I'm going to exhaust the anger out of myself in yeah, a good yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to feel better for having made a better choice. Yeah, yeah. right. Gotcha. You know, gotcha. it doesn't turn, in, turn into kind of that shame spiral right. thing. Yeah. Good um, stuff. So, I mean, there, there are three things that, that hit me in the gut. Um, one thing that I, I'm, I really fear is being excessively bored. Mm hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> That's like, I'm scared of it. Mm hmm. Um, because then I end up, other thing, isolating myself. Right. right. Sure. Yeah. And then, for me, I end up to. I don't want to isolate myself, but I'm excessively bored. So to try to fix it in my isolated state, I start returning to people, places, or things yeah. that aren't good for me. Yeah. To right. try to create fun or excitement or yeah. interest or yeah. Yeah. something. Right. And next thing you know, here's the rabbit hole. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 You know and. So for me, man, being bored, oh my God, it freaks me out. Like, yeah. But then there's, you know, but then there's that, <coughs> the other side of, you know, you do need some time to, you know, uh, self-examination. Mm-hmm. You do need to, there's, the, there's that balance, man. Yeah. I struggle with, dude, because I, I enjoy company and people. Right. Mm-hmm. And being by myself, I don't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't. I yeah. just really don't. Like you know, my my family, wife, they're all like rag me about it because I'm like I just don't. It's right. boring. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that so, was you get energy from being around people. People, don't you? Yeah. yeah, and and so if I don't have that option of people, yeah, I'll say okay, well, I'm just sit here. Yeah. Then I I'll stomach that for a certain amount of time. Yeah. Right. After a while, I'm like, okay, I gotta find something. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's something could mean good or bad. Right. Like, it literally could. I mean, something means something. Yeah. <laughs> and, man, you know, <clears throat> no, well, I interrupted you. And no, I, you're good. I'm, and I'm good at it. That, but that was one of the things when I first got into recovery and realized how messy my head was. Right. And how unsafe of a neighborhood my head was. Yeah. Once I 
had that realization, I got scared of being by myself. Mm-hmm. I was scared of not being, of having idle hands. Right, sure. You know? Yeah, and so I went to the opposite extreme, and I would not be home by myself. Mm-hmm. If, if my wife was working or had plans or was out of town, I was out. Yeah. I wasn't home. Mm-hmm. And it turned into really poor self-care on my part. Right. Because I would exhaust myself. Right. And then when I'm exhausted, you know, I, I want to fix that or numb out or I'm in a bad, it's one of those halt things, you know, hungry, yeah, angry, lonely, tired. Right. Um, so trying to figure out that balance that you're talking about where how can I be engaged? How can I not be bored but still be taking care of myself? Because I can't go out and drink beers with friends five days a week because I'm scared to be at home by myself. Right, sure. Yeah. I can't afford it. It's not good for me. You know, all, <laughs> yeah, all yeah, those yeah, things. Absolutely. And, right. and you know, I've, as you were talking, like, I realized, and even watching TV for me can be triggering. Mm-hmm. Facebook, you know, like just so much time again. I know I've said this a couple of times, so much time in front of screens. Yeah. After I hit a threshold, it becomes triggering. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's hard. Um, and so having a hobby yeah. where I can relax and do that hobby. I'm a physical exertion guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes physical exertion is bad. Yeah. So if I can, if I can have a hobby that's healthy and engaging and lets me do physical things. Like I'm learning to tie my own flies for fly fishing. Okay, cool. So if I can tie flies, I'm working with my hands a little bit. My brain's engaged. Right. But I'm also sitting on my butt, relaxing and re-energizing. Nice. You know, I, that I th- balance. That, that's my thing, man. I, I've really been contemplating. I haven't figured it out, but I think yeah. I'm headed towards a hobby. There you go. Right. Be- because mm-hmm. when work has settled... You know, there's mm-hmm. like I, I've, I'm see. First of all, I'm, I'm the worst at creating more to do, <laughs> right? Right. For at work, so for the sake of staying busy and not mm-hmm. getting bored. Mm-hmm. But now I'm like, I'm at the point in my life now. I was like, when I'm done, I'm done. Like I don't want to do more if I don't have to right now. Right. Yeah. Wait till tomorrow. It's going to be there. Yeah. Right. So, okay. Now, so I have the whole evening open. Now what? Right. So before I will make more work and just work till I fall out. Yeah. But now I'm like, okay, now I have four or five hours to do whatever. Right. Okay? So maybe I grab dinner with a friend or my wife or whoever. Okay, now I've got two, three more hours. What do I do? Right. So I'm, I'm figuring out, you know, instead of running away from boredom and re- running away from being by myself, f- you know, find something that can, I can be engaged in, something, yeah. you know, a hobby of some sort. Yeah. And it's, 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 a, it's a different little world for me, man. Right. I mean, because I didn't have hobbies, it was right. work and family, mm-hmm. yeah, and and in between, hang with some friends, right? Yeah, that's about it. It's it's the one the well, one time where playing video games might be healthy. Well, we'll see where this goes. Tune in in subsequent episodes to find out what hobby, hobby Mondo finds. <laughs> All right, we'll be back in just a minute with a piece of news you will not want to miss. Stay with us on the Pirate Month Podcast. Okay, we're back on the Pirate Monk Podcast with a newsflash. This just in. Porn 
makes you stupid. <laughs> it's, it's not the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> A new German study about the association between pornography and the brain revealed a significant drop in brain activity in the prefrontal lobes and in the prefrontal cortex, with both parts being associated with porn use. It's because all the activity goes to another lobe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, conducted at the Max Planck Institute in Berlin, a respected uh, institution, the study was published on May 28, 2014. Wow. Uh, in uh, the, G, uh, the JAMA Psychiatry Journal. And it speculated that the loss of brain power was a result of overstimulation of the brain's reward center. Hmm. When porn is consumed, the brain's reward center in the prefrontal lobes lights up. The yeah. downside of such overstimulation is noticeable brain impairment in relation to the other uh, in relation to other functions and a general loss of mental power. Here's a quote. Since pornography appeared on the internet, the accessibility, affordability, and anonymity of consuming visual sexual stimuli have increased and attracted millions of users, the authors wrote. Based on the assumption that pornography consumption bears resemblance with reward-seeking behavior, novelty-seeking behavior, and addictive behavior, we hypothesized alterations of the frontostriatal network in frequent users. So that's what, that was the hypothesis for their study. Their study uh, involved 64 healthy male adults with a wide range of habitual pornography consumption. Uh, and the reported hours of usage uh, were cataloged on a weekly basis. The published report on the study described the methodology of how pornography consumption was associated with neural structure, task-related activation, and functional resting state connectivity. I'm not quite sure what that means, but anyway. Right. We, the, we, we left the English language for a second there. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> or perhaps I've just used too much porn and can't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> right, if, if you didn't understand that, you may have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, God. Case in point, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. makes you stupid. Uh, the researchers <laughs> found a significant negative association between reported pornography hours per week and gray matter volume in the parts of the brain related to consumption. Such a noticeable loss could reflect change in neuroplasticity, and that's the ability of the brain to yeah. form... Uh, neural connections as a consequence of intense stimulation of the reward system. At the same time, it could be a precondition that makes pornography consumption more rewarding. Although further hmm. study will be needed, a major implication of such results, the authors say, is that passing on pornography is undoubtedly a smart thing right. to do. Moral, moral uh, reasoning notwithstanding. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That's that's. In, I wonder how long did they say this study lasted, did, uh, or did they say? Uh, they didn't say. They said there were sixty-four. Uh, sixty-four adult subjects. participants. Uh, didn't say how long the study ran. But it sounds like it's a long-term effect, not a. You use porn for an hour, you're going to be dumber for the next thirty minutes. It sounds like it's a long-term effect. Right. It's like a, a slow decay. Yeah. Uh -huh. A decaying. Yeah. Like, huh. But it uh, makes sense. I mean, if you're, putting a, sense. Yeah. if you're putting a flashlight in your eye, yeah, you know, the longer you hold the flashlight in the eye, you're, the worse your eye is going to work mm -hmm. when you take the flashlight away. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. All right. All right, on to another topic. <laughs> All right. Um, as I told you, I went to Springfield, Missouri this last weekend for a weekend conference. There were some women... Uh, one of the things that we did was uh, I passed out. On the first night, I said, anybody have any questions after I told my story? And, and there were only a couple of brave souls who raised their hands. So on Saturday, rather than have them raise their hands and ask their questions, we just distributed index cards. Said if yeah. during the course of the day you got a question, write it down, drop it in the basket, we'll get to them. And we got a bunch of questions. And, and that stimulated some great conversation. Included in the basket, though, was a card that was not a question. It was uh, written in what appeared to me to be a feminine hand. 
It was addressed specifically to me, hmm. and it said, Nate, um, I want to suggest that you stop using the word hooker in presentations. Huh. You may not realize this, but a lot of women regard that term as objectifying and demeaning. Hmm. And now I, and then she specifically, I have this line that I use a lot when we talk about Allie and I, Allie learning to forgive me, coming to the place where she can forgive me, and the restoration of our relationship after uh, my revelation that I had been seeing prostitutes for all those years. And I, I've fallen into the habit of saying, well, it was a few years before I could make hooker jokes. That right. gets a big laugh, right? Right. Uh, well, to especially to these women who are working in the field of uh, human sex trafficking, dealing with uh, rescuing girls, that my use of that term, my cavalier use of that term, it sounded blaming, it sounded sure. demeaning, it sounded objectifying, and it cut like a knife. I'm so grateful yeah. that uh, that woman wrote it on the card, so I apologized to the room and pledged to do my best to uh, to think more. Per now, I do know this. I do know that lust is itself, and I, I said it that weekend, I say it often, lust itself is an objectifying process. Yeah. Love is personal. We love specific people. Lust is impersonal. We objectify, we love, we, uh, it's focused on bodies, not people, right? Right. And it's about taking, not about giving. Um, now, I, uh, I also, Allie and I have been working very closely in the last few weeks with a girl who came out of that life. Although um, she didn't turn tricks, she was, uh, she was an exotic dancer for years. Uh, she also has a... A history that she's dealing with right now of childhood sexual abuse. Hmm. As I looked into this, come to find out the link between the sexual abuse that she experienced and what turns out to be, a lot of people think, theorists think, um, uh, trauma reenactment. Hmm. Uh, it turns out it's very, very common. Listen to this. Estimate of the prevalence of incest among prostitutes ranges from 65% to 90%. Whoa. Uh, the Council for Prostitution Alternatives, Portland, Oregon, annual report 1991, stated that 85% of prostitutes reported uh, a history of sexual abuse in childhood. 70% hmm. reported incest. The higher percentages, 80% to 90%, that have been... Uh, asserted elsewhere are uh, are based on anecdotal reports and clinicians working with prostitutes. Eighty percent of the prostitute survivors uh, at the Whisper or Oral History Project reported that their customers... Oh, so here's a porn link. Eighty percent of prostitutes in this study reported that their customers showed them pornography to illustrate the kinds of sexual activities in which they wanted to engage. Eight out of ten. Eighty percent. Yeah. So in other words, um, porn had driven guys to the prostitutes. That's certainly my story. Yeah. Um, so porn took me places I didn't intend to go. Right. But there, here's a link. 52% uh, of them stated that pornography played a significant role in teaching them what was expected of them as prostitutes. Hmm. Uh, and 30% reported that their pimps regularly exposed them to porn in order to indoctrinate them uh, into an acceptance of the practices required. Wow. Uh, now, here's the sobering thing. A Canadian report on prostitution and pornography concluded that girls and women in prostitution have a mortality rate 40 times higher than the national average. Wow. Mm -hmm. um, in one study, 75% of women in escort prostitution had attempted suicide. Hmm. And prostituted women comprised 15% of all completed suicides reported by hospitals. Wow. Holy smokes. Wow. Wow. 
Now, um, you know, we usually try to end the podcast on a on a light note. I'm going to end on a sobering note because uh, this woman who we're dealing with also part of her tr- uh, of her treatment involves writing. She's a very uh, insightful, very gifted writer. She's spending a lot of time every day in writing. And she gave me this um, poem which described for her her experience. Now, here's what I knew. I know this from Samson Society, that uh, a large percentage of the guys in Samson whose presenting problem is sexual. Not every guy in Samson uh, has sex as that biggest thing in his life. Uh, but a significant percentage of Samson yeah. guys have got a sexual issue, right? right. Comp- they're comp- uh, familiar with compulsive sexual activity. Very high percentage of, of our guys experienced uh, childhood sexual abuse in one, mm-hmm. one form or another. We, and the safer Samson becomes the more we hear the stories. Yeah. Is this true? Yeah. Um, so can, I, I, can I interject there yeah, yeah. real quickly? Yeah. Because I think what you just said speaks to the safety of a group. Right. And speaks to, if you're in a Samson meeting, not making jokes about... Absolutely. You know... Right, yeah. Uh, we'll, I mean, we'll just I'll just label it childhood sex, sex abuse. Right, yeah. Like, not making jokes about um, sexual activity. Right. Because if you make that joke and I'm about to say that I have experienced that, yeah. never again am I going to bring that up, yeah, at yeah. least not if you're yeah. in the room. And that's why we have a rule in our group against we don't make gay jokes, for right. example. Right, yes. Because uh, very often, very often that... <clears throat> Abuse comes from somebody of the same gender. Right. Uh, I'll tell you what. She showed. She's given me permission to share this. Yeah, and I didn't mean to. Yeah. Go off. No, no, that's good. She's given me percent uh, 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 permission to share this poem. It really has um, explained her experience to me in a metaphorical way that's very powerful, and I just want to share it with our listeners. The title of the poem is Daisy. Once upon a time, there was a daisy who grew on a hill in the sun. She did not yet know the ways of the world, but she knew the ways of her hill, and she was happy. Most days were filled with bumblebees and breezes and other blossomy things. Some days, though, a man would come to visit, whistling and smiling up the little hill to where the daisy waited. The daisy did not yet know the ways of the world, of daisies and men, but she was so happy to see his smiles and to hear his whistle that she would stretch her little petals up, up, up to him and say, Pick me, pick me, until he laughed and sat down next to her. No, no, he said, for if I pick you, then everyone will see. And the daisy said she understood even though she didn't. But once every visit, at the very end, or sometimes nearer the middle, or maybe twice, he would say, I can't pick you, or everyone will see, but no one will notice one petal. And he would reach down and take hold and pull until a tiny petal came right off. It hurt a little and somehow seemed different than what she had been expecting. But the daisy always said she didn't mind, because then the man would smile and return to his whistling, which the daisy loved to hear. So the days turned to weeks, and the little daisy was almost mostly happy, because even though she missed her petals, and there might have been a growing ache where they once had been, she still loved the man, For who else would ever whistle to her like that and smile such a warm smile? However, all things change in time, even for little daisies. One day, when she was feeling especially tired, the man came plodding up the little hill. He sat down next to her, but this time there was no smile. She had felt hopeful when she had seen him, that hearing his whistle might make her feel better, 
but there was no whistle. The man sighed. You know, little Daisy, he said, all things change in time. You're not the little Daisy that I knew anymore. You're tired, and you're not always happy, and your petals are ragged and ill-kempt. I do not think I will be visiting you anymore. And before she could even speak, he stood up and began to walk back down the hill. Wait, she said. If you leave, who will smile at me? Who will whistle for me? I am sad and ragged, just as you say, so who will love me again? No one, said the man, for who would love such a cheap old flower? Boom. Wow. Well, that's what we want to leave you with. Uh, we have a good time here on the podcast, uh, but we don't want to make light of heavy things. We don't want to pretend as though we can uh, giggle and backslap our way past life's real pain, or we can minimize life's greater issues. I do hope that if your own experience resonates in any way with uh, the poem I just read, that rather than isolate, rather than go into shame, you'll find somebody to talk to. Uh, that you'll begin to speak back against uh, the message of silence, yeah. the message of shame uh, that somebody gave you a long time ago. So I think that kind of does it for this, uh, this uh, episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. I hope we we'll see you again. I hope it won't be quite so long. Yeah. Uh, before we're back on your iPad or how, well, iPod or wherever it is you, you listen to us. <laughs> Until then, I'm Nate. I'm Newton. And I'm Mondo. And uh, we'll see you next time on the Pirate Monk Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>